Welcome to the Healing Circle podcast, where we talk about everything mental health, faith, and relationships. Though this show is hosted by a licensed therapist, that's me, Kobe, I am not your therapist. These amazing conversations are meant to provide psychoeducation and start some good conversation, but they're not meant to be a substitute for real therapy services. We're excited to learn, grow, and talk with you guys. So let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, I'm Kobe. And this is now officially the Kyle Campbell podcast with Kobe Campbell. You really are trying it right now. <laughs> and that's Kyle, and welcome back to the Healing Circle podcast. Um, the Healing Circle podcast with Kyle Campbell. The Healing Circle podcast with Kobe Campbell and special guest, special regular guest Kyle Campbell. I do feel special. Okay. You guys, we're back. We took a, you know, month-long sabbatical without telling you guys because we were run ragged. We were drained. Um, inwardly, we were wasting away. And outwardly, we were wasting away. Yep. So we decided that we wanted to honor the work that we're doing. And we didn't want to put our mental health and emotional health on the line so that we can teach you guys mm. about mental and emotional health. Um, Seems a little inconsistent. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't mean that, like, life is perfect and we only teach from and share from that perspective. But I think we got to a point where it was like, uh, we should be spending time that we would be teaching other people how to heal doing that. Like ourselves, healing yeah, we ourselves. Were, we were riding the struggle bus every stop, like could not get off still on it. Mm -hmm. Just, mm -hmm. you know, slightly less of a struggle. Felt a little bit like, like entering the parent version of squid game. Oh, yeah. Squid Game is very interesting. Maybe, yeah. hey, you know what? Next episode, Squid Game. Ew, no, I don't want to talk about it. It actually gave me a little bit of anxiety. Like, episodes three and four just kind of took me there. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but it just, it was like, woo, okay, my brain should not be watching this. So. I feel like the main character going to snap one of these episodes. He's going to stop being a nice guy. Probably. Probably. And the way they're being treated, he should. He should. So you, we are really sorry, one, for <laughs> um, dropping off part one of infantilization and then literally falling off the face of the earth. Um, but we're here to give you guys part two of reparenting infantilization. And we're really excited to do it because um, I think that a lot of us know people in our lives who experience infantilization. And we know a lot of people who we internally would ascribe infantilization to. Mm -hmm. And we get annoyed with it sometimes and frustrated. Like you're still doing ABCDFG. You're still yeah. like, you can't even do this by yourself. But where do those people get direction? Mm -hmm. Where did those people get the opportunity to give themselves what they didn't get, to give themselves the courage and the independence and the freedom to fail that they didn't get from childhood, they didn't get in their friendships, so they didn't get in their romantic relationships. And so hopefully this podcast, because it can be listened to personally and individually and without an audience, is a safe place for you to get some of those answers. Yeah. Um, 
I think one of the things that's really interesting about infantilization, because <clears throat> it's so easy to say, say it five times fast. I could, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> is um is exactly that piece, like the lack of empathy, um, the lack of sympathy. Most other things, when people sort of hear it, um, you expect them to respond a certain way with a little bit of like, okay, like come along, like I see where you're coming from. That's got to be so hard. Infantilization, <clears throat> which is Good so job. easy to say again. Um, it's one of those things that, like, when you really hear it, it's hard to it's hard to get behind as far as, like, yeah, go for it in your healing, man. Like, people have treated you with kid gloves your whole life. That's got to be so hard. And it is so hard. Mm-hmm. But for so many people, like, their felt reality is that their world is just overbearing. And it can be really embittering for them to meet people with infantilization. And so then that creates this, like this really unsafe space to to move into healing for those that like struggle with it. Oh, for sure. And I think a lot of the lack of patience that people have for people who've experienced infantilization is like rooted in this sense of, and I don't say jealousy in like the, Oh, you're jealous of me. But I think how many of us would, wouldn't love for someone to do things for us. How many of us wouldn't love for something to be taken off of our plates? How many of us wouldn't love to be treated with tenderness in our adult moments? How many of us wouldn't love someone coming alongside us and helping us at every step of the way? Right. And so I think that what makes it hard for people to be patient is the idea that they're like, I wish I had that. And you're lucky you had that. And Mm -hmm. I resent you for that. But then also you're not as good as me because you can't take care of yourself, <laughs> right? It's it's like being upset at someone. It's not exactly like this, but the feeling of like, man, I grew up with so much money. It's hard for me to relate to like the real world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. cry me a river. Don't care. Yeah, But then also we glorify people who get it out the mud. Yeah. That's you know, true. like, like we want to have the money and the resources and the privilege, but then when someone becomes ses- successful with that, ooh, trip me up, yeah. <laughs> becomes successful <laughs> with that, we say, oh, but you didn't get out the mud. Yeah. You know, but you didn't start from the bottom, but you didn't, you know, there's almost this way that we glorify people who we love a success story. We love, yeah. a, you know, a trial. We love an trial. underdog. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, except for we don't like when the underdog has more than us. And for people who've experienced infantilization, yeah. um, they're the underdogs who've often gotten more tenderness and more attention than us, um, but in a way that was detrimental. Yeah. Right. And trying to ride that line, even for the person who's uh, infantilized as they move forward in healing between, like, you don't want to go all the way back. So if if people have been giving you a lot of empathy and a lot of care and a lot of tenderness, like, okay, some of that is like really unhelpful. Some of that Mm -hmm. is actually undignifying. Mm -hmm. And yet in the healing process, you can't like, you don't want to go the other end of the spectrum either. Like you don't want to only seek relationships where people beat you down, where there's never a a helping hand, where there's no empathy or no sympathy. But it can feel like that's like what you need in order to prove you're a real adult, quote unquote. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. 
So before we jump right into what reparenting and ventilization looks like, let's talk a little bit about what it is and what it can look like. So some signs of infantilization can be um, having excessive neediness, like excessive need of support of other people, um, having someone else constantly take full responsibility for your needs and wants, an inability to complete tasks, wow, on par Mm -hmm. with your peers, um, needing constant contact with others, having your thoughts and accomplishments constantly downplayed by other people, questioning both complex and simple decisions, feeling afraid or anxious to make decisions for yourself, Mm -hmm. always needing validation from others to meet your personal needs. That's a big one. That's a big one. Always needing validation from others to meet personal needs or um, the idea of like, you've met the person. If you're listening, I know you've met the person where they almost had like a spokesperson. Like a like a PR rep that always followed them oh around. God. It's like, hey, how are you, you doing? And then someone jumps oh, in and she's like, fine. oh, they're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Um <laughs> I almost said a word I'm not supposed to say over the airways, but like we we've met that person and very often like that is a sign of um of infantilization where they can gather people who will speak for them, who will protect them, who will, you know stand up for them whether they need standing up for or not like no they have an opinion they can share their own their own opinion yeah and i think that the idea of them gathering people i think it's actually a subconsciously drawing people that reflect the parental provision that they Mm -hmm. had like i don't think that it's like this it can be right there's always there can be things that are conscious and malicious and some things that are subconscious and and you're not even trying to do it on purpose right Mm -hmm. I think that there are a lot of people who subconsciously find deep friendship with people who mirror what their parents gave them, yeah. right? Like thinking about some of the um, the embodied work that I do and the existential, um, experiential work that I do, right? Mm. With trauma, like you think about why psychodrama, why having someone physically reflect how you are postured back to you for your physical eyes to see is because, I mean, we are always going to be seeking out people who either reflect what has been mirrored to us in childhood, mm-hmm. or we're always going to be seeking out people who we hope will reflect what we didn't get, but needed reflected back to us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so for these people, um, they're not tr- like, I-, I don't want to, I just didn't want you to say that and it be gathering in the sense of this. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you're sort like, of, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want the it to be spider like spider at the middle of the web, gathering yeah. resources and people. Yeah. And I they may you. blink and open their eyes after this podcast or after reading something or after therapy or after just an internal revelation and realize, Oh my God, I'm surrounded by people who do everything for me. I'm mm. surrounded by people who speak for me. I'm surrounded by, like you said, spokespeople mm-hmm. and, and in all of this, I look so cared for, but in the middle of it, I'm so alone, which I feel like is a missing aspect um, of inventilization. It's like these people are incredibly lonely. Um, even even because they don't have any peers. I mean, even even intrapsychically, like even like spiritually, they're Ooh, lonely. You better, you, how many syllables was that? Four, five. You're really not going to make me count that on the airways count. Only. Oh, Lee. Oh, Lee. 
<laughs> I felt like my mouth moved on that last oh one. Oh my god! Not That's qualified. There are people who are incredibly lonely because they don't even know what their own desires are, right? Like, when you think about it, us discovering what we like and don't like our preferences or dislike come from trial and error. How many of Mm -hmm. us have thought we would like something and then we actually try it or engage in it and we're like, eh, I don't like that, right? We can think that we know who we are or what we like or what our preferences are, only for us to act on those desires and through trial and error, discover what we do like, what we don't like, or find out that we like a variation of what we thought we didn't like or mm-hmm. what we did like, right? But these are people who never for decades got the opportunity to engage in that trial and error, right? Um, so, sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze and I'm trying to like hold it in. Let it go. It's gone now. Oh, it's gone. I'm sorry. Um. I think the hardest thing about infantilization is it makes the one thing and all healing. I really feel like this is true for all healing. All healing is difficult because the thing that will remedy the ailment of our souls is the one thing that our trauma makes us most terrified of. People who have been cared for in this way and in some ways dehumanized in this way mm-hmm. are people who are terrified of being embarrassed because for their caretakers for their friends or parents whoever part of the narrative of why they should give up and relinquish their autonomy and their agency is because people will tell them you, people tell them you won't know what you're doing yeah you you're can't gonna handle that sort of you decision. can't handle correct and so it's almost like this this fear of embarrassment is implanted this fear of being seen as human is implanted <laughs> you know, into their, their psyche. And then they end up in a place where they're so terrified of being seen for who they really are, Mm. which is in a lot of ways, unknowledgeable. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like childlike. And, And I don't say that as like a, a cultural like jab, yeah, but like just a genuine true reflection And that's why at the core of reparenting infantilization is failing in front of people. I can't do it. Well, no, I could. But it's like, that's a heavy thing, right? Because for many of the other issues we talk about reparenting, there is a sense of, as you move forward in reparenting, you get this sense of agency, this sense of pride, this sense of like an easy, I don't want to say easy. But it's easy to see like how taking these steps is going to produce something that you can really stand up and be proud about easily from a cultural lens. But in infantilization, you're really saying yes to letting yourself look bad in front of people who are probably going to be saying to you, you can't do X. And then you're going to try and do X. And Lord willing, hopefully you'll succeed, but sometimes you'll fail. And then the very people... Who have been saying, well, you can't do that, will feel vindicated. Like, yep. see, I look, told you. You can't do it. Yeah. And and that happens, right? And yeah. then you end up in a space where you're like, well, let me just go back to like a lot of us have not been taught how to endure embarrassment. And mm. so we run from it. And so let's say you fall flat on your face during a task and someone's like, see, I told you you couldn't handle that. Yeah. Your brain is wired for safety. Your brain is wired for safety. Your brain is not wired for freedom. It's wired for safety. 
Yeah. Right. And if you want to experience freedom in any space, you are going to have to one, take up courage and brave the very thing that feels unsafe. And for each of us, it's different, right? As we reparent. And we've talked about mm. that in some way or some capacity um, in this series. But for people who've experienced this specifically in ventilization, it's not just failing, it's failing publicly, mm. right? Yeah. I think failing is enough, right? And by failing, I mean trying something and not doing it right. Trying to learn something and and messing it up. Trying to do something and making major mistakes. Because mistakes are evidence that you're trying. Mistakes are also evidence that you're learning. Yeah. Right? The brain learns quicker the more mistakes we make. Yeah. Right? Because someone who tries it once only knows how to do it one way. (laughs) Someone who tries it eight times and fails eight times and gets it right the ninth time knows eight different obstacles to look out for and can teach from a perspective of eight different obstacles of disappointment. Yeah. Right? Yeah, when we teach a kid to walk, what we're really teaching them is how to fall really Mm -hmm. well. It's controlled falling. You you know, it's like, oh, you're going to lean forward. And the first 10,000 times, you're just going to fall. And then eventually, one day, you'll catch yourself. And you'll fall some more. And then you'll catch yourself a little more. you catch yourself a little more. And you'll be walking, right? But Mm -hmm. And that's fine when you're 10 months old and when you're, you know, a year and a half old. When you're an infant. When you're 43. The world, the world isn't really kind to people. I mean, that are fail- forget you know, forty three. Like when you're twenty seven, when you're twenty eight, <laughs> yeah, you know, and when you're twenty two, whatever, yeah, yeah. Like, it's hard out here. It not only trying and failing in front of people. I think reparenting also includes being honest verbally with people and saying, "I don't know how to do that," and enduring their ridicule, enduring. And when I say enduring, not just being like, "Oh, I'm going to bite down and and deal with it," and I'm going to, but being able to stand up for yourself and say, "Hey, this is the way I was raised. I didn't choose the way I was raised, and these are some of the things I'm working through. And if you can't walk alongside me, then we just can't. We can't rock together. Yeah, we can't walk together. We can't. You know, we can't do life together. Just saying, like these are the things I'm going through. Like my friends right now know that I struggle with depression seasonally. They know that. Mm. And so if I disappear, when they text me and say, "Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you." If you need something of me that demands that I be something other than who I am, then we can't rock together. And I think that is something that we need to get more used to saying as we heal. Mm-hmm. Because this brought to mind something I was thinking about the other day. We can't post things on Instagram that communicate like, if they're not healed, girl, leave them alone. If they're not healed, this is what happened when people aren't. We can't post things that demonize people for not being healed. And then at the same time, ask people for mercy in yeah. our healing process. Yeah. It don't work that way. It and, doesn't work that way. And the truth way. is, like, healing is a privilege. Yeah, right? and like, a process. Yeah. Not everyone has access to the same resources. Not everyone even has time in their world. Like, for so many people, they are literally spending every day just trying to get to the next. And it may be a literal two decades before they come up for air and they're able to even look and say, whoa there's things to work on. Absolutely. Not everyone has the same framework. So absolutely. um, We like, we are privileged. My wife and I were privileged to have like been able to start our healing journey in our early 20s. Yeah. Um, Really? For me, probably 19 is really the start. And I think you similarly. So, um, and then it's, it's gotten more in depth, but like 
we're not like we're not any better people than anyone else. We're we're lucky. We're blessed. We're favored. Yep. We're privileged. Like yeah, we we didn't set out out of nowhere and just saying, "Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more healthy." Like no one does that. Like they're encountered <laughs> by their own brokenness. They you know they stumble into recognizing like, "Whoa, maybe I'm not as okay as I thought." Mm-hmm. And hopefully there are resources and people that care enough to like walk alongside you. Um, but for many people, it's not. And so in, infantilization is is such a uniquely difficult thing to reparent because of what you said, because of the loneliness, because of yeah. the reality that you're not really going to get kudos from people. You're not. Um, and, and even then, like some of your, I mean, now everything you reparent, it's going to put your relationships at risk. But if you have a yep. bunch of friendships that are built on, upon people getting affirmation in their own heart that they like, they have someone to lead. Yeah. Someone to rescue. Mm-hmm. Someone to like be there for someone to tell what to do. Someone to have authority over because that's how we treat children. That's part mm-hmm. of infantilization. It's mm-hmm. not just, you don't know as much. It's I know more than you and I deserve and to have authority to over your decisions. You like, you need me. Yep. Um, and I get to make this decision for you. And some people, like, that's part of their their brokenness. Like, they yep. need that in their uh, relationships and their friendships. And so the idea of, like, trying to remove that from them is going to be met with some hostility. Mm-hmm. Whether they realize it or not, like, mm-hmm. you're not just getting better. You're not just getting more healed. You're taking something from them. Yeah. Woo-hoo. And that, yeah. you know, that can get dicey. And so, like, as you're working through it, like just recognize the humanity of people around you. There's a good chance if you have friends who like the spokesperson for you. Um, part of that is they love you and they care about you and they want you to feel safe. Part of that may be that there's something in them that really needs to like have a voice in someone else's life. Maybe because mm-hmm. they didn't feel like they had enough of one in their own and they're trying to like reparent themselves, you know, through this convoluted method. Yeah. Right? So, Sorry, she's making faces. Go ahead, baby. It it makes me think of, so when I start EMDR with people, with certain clients, especially clients who are struggling with things like this or things related to enmeshment, to um, codependency, anything like that, I usually kind of give them this disclaimer and I'm like, hey, you are deeply connected to the people that you are around. If we start this process of trauma therapy, if we start this process of EMDR, know that your relationships are like a climate, right? So you change the temperature of a climate by two degrees and the polar caps are melting. Yeah. And polar Polar bears bears are are starving. Man, on an Atkins diet, looking. like (laughs) Struggling. Like ribs showing and everything. Like like reminding them, like, you're going to make a two degree shift. And that two degree shift is going to change the entire world, not just for you, but for everyone in your family. Mm, everyone who lives in that world is going to have to reconcile with what's changing. Yep. And you are going to, you you moving, you shifting is going to leave deficiencies in other people's lives. It's going to create more beautiful dependencies in other ways. Mm-hmm. But just imagine if you acted as someone's right leg. And you decided I'm not going to act as their right leg anymore. I'm going to act as my own whole person. Yeah. Now that person's without a right leg. And you're open to their wrath, into their yeah. disappointment, into their sadness, into their grief, right? And that doesn't mean we turn our back on it, right? That doesn't mean we just say like, oh, 
whatever, we recognize how deeply um, our presence affected other people. But the reality is it's going to change your world. And I think for people who experience infantilization because their world is so deeply enmeshed with other people's world, part of why it can be so hard to stand on your own two feet is the backlash, like the communal backlash that will come from daring to be your own person, especially when you haven't had the chance to figure out who that person is. Yeah. You know, is that person worth standing up for? Is that person worth sacrificing for? On this side, we can say without a doubt, yes. Mm -hmm. But internally, do you believe that? Do you feel that? And so it takes such a risk and such faith. It doesn't matter what what religious, um, what religion you ascribe to. Healing takes faith. It takes the ability to imagine (laughs) that you can experience something that you have not seen before, something that you have not known before. It literally takes imagination. It takes creativity, right? And what are the two things that trauma and healing take away from us? Spontaneity and creativity, right? When distress and hypervigilance go up, spontaneity and creativity go down. And many of us, because we don't have the ability to see a version of ourselves that's worth fighting for, it can feel safer to just say, I'll stay here. Right. But here, and I say this in the most loving way, here can kill you. Here can kill the person that you were meant to be. Yeah. Here can literally affect parts of your brain irreparably. Here can keep you from seeing the promises of God. Here can keep you from living authentically as the person God has designed you to be. Here can keep you from freedom. Here can keep you from joy. If you can't, and this is why community is so important, if you can't take hold of a vision of yourself that is free, that is worth fighting for, you need to be connected to someone who can. You need to be able to take to be connected to someone who can see a version of you that you can't see so that you can hold on to their faith and hold on to their imagination, hold on to their spontaneity, hold on to their creativity for the sake of your freedom until you get your own. Yeah. No, that that's real. And I think um, even as we we think for believers, for those who are Christians and believe in Jesus Christ. This uh, reparenting infantilization, like it, it affects your relationship with God too. Um, be, be careful <laughs> that even as like you acknowledge the reality, like oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, that you don't like transpose this unhealthiness onto that relationship. Because one of the things that we see in Scripture really clearly is like. 80% of the things Jesus does, he is not asking for permission to do. Like he has the heart. He had, There's some downloading that's happened. Like he understands what his father wants to happen in the world. But Jesus is acting out of his own vision for what the world needs to look like. Mm. Given from his, his father, but he's like, he's acting independently. Mm-hmm. Like this infantilization, if it, if it, um, uh, infects your Christianity, it'll put you in this place where you're like everything that you do is through the lens of like 
scared to do anything that yeah. hasn't been specifically prescribed to you. Yeah. Which actually isn't, that's not what God's after. One yeah. of the, the unique um, facets of our faith that not every other faith can really speak to is the idea that God, his ultimate plan for us is that we are equal, mm. not that we're lesser. Everyone mm. like Zeus has no plan to make you like him. Mm. You, you know, Buddha has no plan to make you like him. Like all the other religions that like we, we look at, like the plan is that you would be submitted, but not equal. In Christ, we have we have this faith that at the end of it all, like we rule with Him, mm-hmm. and so like even here in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with God the Father, like we have to be careful that we're not infecting our own um, expression of faith with this idea that like, well, I don't get to be a grown up as a Christian. I don't yeah. get to have um, I don't get to have my own idea about what it looks like for righteousness to happen here in this space. Which yeah. makes a lot of people like where they won't do anything that they're not told to do by their yeah. pastor. But yeah. like they're always looking for permission from someone else to do the yep. things that they, as a son and daughter of God, have a right and a responsibility to do. Yeah. And it makes me think of, you know, Genesis is it Genesis two when um Adam names the animals. Mm-hmm. God does not give him any names of the animals. He just yeah. says, You do it. Yeah. Right? Like spontaneity and creativity is part of God's plan of freedom for us. Yeah. God's vision for your life may not look like him writing it down and saying, here's what I want you to do. Very often it's like, hey, what's in your hands? What's in your heart to do? What's in your hands Mm -hmm. to do? We've talked about like first first Samuel with with Saul. Um, That's specifically something God says to him. Like, hey, like do whatever is in your hands to do. And like I'm gonna come behind it and support. Now, obviously, mm. don't don't go go out and punch somebody in the face. But like <laughs> the idea there is that God's literally saying, part of what I want for you is for you to be an adult. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm really excited for you to look at something and say, I want to do that. Yeah, I think it serves the world. I think it serves my creator. I think it yep. serves the people around me. Mm. And I'm gonna go do that. Yeah. I'm gonna go start a nonprofit to like help these people. Yeah. No one has to tell me to do that. Like that's my vision through a lens of who God is to me. And like that's also part of reparenting infantilization. Yeah. Like, because it, it infects everything. Like you can yeah. view yourself even in your relationship with your creator as someone who never gets to have a voice mm. and someone who like isn't supposed to have one. Like yeah. someone else needs to speak for me in every situation, and that's not true. Mm. And just think about how how much the Holy Spirit in you is quieted if the only validation you move on is external validation. Yeah. You know, like you think about it and it's like part of sanctification is that the whole, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit literally changes us. Mm. And that change means that sometimes our personality, the natural parts of our personality that are, that just kind of happen and just kind of like appear that we don't try to develop and curate. Sometimes that's a reflection of the Holy spirit. Sometimes you have a vision for a nonprofit and that's just what excites you and brings you joy because that's, that's an outpouring of the Holy spirit and indwelling of the Holy spirit in you. Yeah. Sometimes you see a stranger and you want to do something for them. No one's telling you to do it, but like, again, to your point, like that's, that's an outpouring of what is already in. And so Mm -hmm. I think we just have to be really, really careful that we don't 
even like and, and we have this cultural narrative of like oh i'm son and daughter of god son and daughter of god but not everyone was raised the same so yeah. when they say son and daughter like that can be triggering can for many very people. very different things for different people and when you've been infantilized son and daughter can literally mean oh i'm a, i'm a child I'm a slave and i'm only ever a child yeah like i'm only ever 10 years old in christ i never get to be 25 i never get to be 30 I, yeah. I never, you know, I never have to make a choice or a decision um, or like own my own vision and identity in the world. And like, I think like the hope of Christ is that you would trust what's in you, mm. like trust the voice that God has given you to speak without someone else saying it. Mm. Um, and I think that's our hope for you too, as like, as you're working through reparenting your infantilization, that yeah. you would begin to trust yourself. That's yeah. going to be a bumpy road. You know, yeah. there are things that like, it's fair to not trust yourself in. You've never done them. Mm -hmm. You're going to fail, but you're just catching up. Like everyone fails. Yeah. Right. Like that's, they just and did allow it a little yourself earlier. To, like give yourself grace to fail and to learn and, and create environments or seek environments where you can be vulnerable about what you don't know so that you can have people walk alongside you. You don't have to do this reparenting alone. Yeah. Right? Relational healing needs to, rather relational pain needs to be healed relationally. Ugh. Right? Don't you hate that? If you're hurt in community, you heal in community. Right? Because, yeah. I mean, on a neurological level, like our brain is not going to rewrite the the things that have been encoded in our brain Unless we're rewriting it in the exact same context in which yeah. it happened. That corrective emotional experience. Yeah. Like yeah. it needs to, you can't break someone's leg and then say, um, I love you. And think that's going to correct a broken leg. No, you need to go put your hands on the leg. If it was a physical action, you need physical action to, to engage in your healing. Yeah. Which is like another story of why I started doing experiential work. Because I'm like, so many of us have been harmed physically and we're wondering why words have not healed us. Mm. We're wondering why logic and information has not healed us. Because logic and information didn't wound you. You need to be healed by physical touch, by the tenderness of someone's physical touch that was once used as evil. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But- I don't want to, we're going to end up having like a three hour long episode. Oh, so no, we're not we going to go into that. That's the next episode. All right. We're going to, we're going to talk about this, especially because you mentioned some different work and some different things in this episode. But I know a lot of people have no idea what you're talking about when you say psychodrama and all that stuff. So yes. we should just talk about it. So it might not be the next episode. Kyle does this thing where we're on air and he just makes these like bold, yeah. decisive statements. Why not? Who go and check me? Part Except for me, you, I guess. I mean. Me. I will check you. <laughs> I will check you, boo. Everybody getting $1,000. No. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I would love to take time to talk about it a little bit more. Um, but I don't know if it'll be the next episode. It will be <laughs> oh, an episode. Oh but it may the not be the next episode. Giving. All right. Whatever episode she decides, that's the episode it'll be. Um. If you're married and you're male, then you know exactly what I'm saying right now. 
Um, also, thank you guys so much for your support. You guys have been buying our merch. It's sweater yeah. season. Um, go grab our merch. Check in the show notes for the link for that. Um, it's just been really cool to see you guys support. Also, Oasis is all the way full. I think I've said that before, but I will I'll never get tired of celebrating my wins, okay? Oasis is all the way full. Got two people from South Africa, one person from Canada, one from LA, one from Maryland, one from Georgia, I think, and then one from Charlotte. We so, international, baby. No, but really though. But yeah. really though. So keep your eyes peeled for when the waitlist opens up for the next Oasis. Um, we love you guys. Next Oasis, you can only pl- uh, pay in euros. You know what I'm saying? Is the is the 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 exchange rate good? It is. It's it's pretty oh, favorable. Either way, I'm not gonna do that to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you're you know, you're a big deal now. Whatever, I mean you were a big Kyle. deal before. You're a bigger deal. I love the way that you gas me up. I'll take it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're being stupid, you're being silly. No, I'm not guessing you. you up. I'm just clout chasing. In you the know? kingdom of God, I am a big deal because <laughs> my father is the king. Okay. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you struggle with infantilization, just know that we are in this with you. Um, shoot me an email, shoot me a DM. Um, I'm pretty slow at responding to DMs, but email. Oh, y'all, I'm back on Instagram. So, you know, um at Underscore urban apologist. No, baby, it's urban apolo- It's urban underscore apologist. Whatever she says, it is. Kyle Campbell, how I do you not started, know your own I mean, name? I don't know. I I haven't been on Instagram in like two years. Whatever <laughs> she said, man. Somebody, uh, Chantel, put it in the notes or something like that. Hit me up. All right, we DM love me. you guys. I can say that now. DM me. It means direct message, guys. For all you that didn't know, <laughs> oh my God. it's what they youth are saying these days. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys until the circle comes back around. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked our conversation, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so we can get the word of healing out to as many people as possible. Visit the show notes to stay up to date on our mental health workshops, yearly retreats, Oasis is Bomb, and connect to us on social media. We'll chat with you guys soon until the circle comes back around.